0: You're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. Folks, life is exciting. I am so grateful to God for so many blessings and so many things that he is opening up to us. Let me just give you a brief... Download of some of the things going on at Bride Ministries, and then we'll get right into the podcast. I uh, want you to know that we at Bride Ministries are about to record the sixth course of our Bride Ministries Institute. We've already released course number five, which is about how to use the deliverance prayers in the back of the book, Prayers that Shake Heaven and Earth. There's a lot of very unique language, uh, things that the first time reader is going to look at, scratch their head, and say, Huh, I wonder why they put that in the prayer. And all of these prayers in the back of that book are based on deep, deep, deep revelation, which is why they work. And if you are wanting to get into deliverance ministry or be more proficient at using those prayers in the back of that book, this is the class you've been waiting for. It is an advanced course in deliverance and it is available at bridemovement.com under the Bride Ministries Institute tab to take at your own pace. And uh, we're just really excited about the fact that we're able to have this platform to build this uh, Bible school that's ultimately going to flesh out into a DID coaching school. That's going to be the platform through which that gets released. And uh, we are just monthly depositing more and more content. So take a look at that. I want you all to know that we continue to run the Fireplace Church every Sunday evening at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time through the fireplace church you are able to participate in groups that meet at different times throughout the week uh, to plug into community meet people uh, have a good time on sunday evenings when i speak we are taking time afterwards to just hang out and answer questions and have a chat so if that's something that you've been wanting to have you just want to you know listen to what some folks have to say or ask a question yourself Jump on the Fireplace Church and hang out with us every Sunday at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. Just go to BrideMovement.com and go to the Fireplace Church page and click Join Now. I want you all to know that uh, we continue to make survivor support available for the survivors that are in community with us. Um, We do have opportunities that we keep closed and 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 not in the uh public eye we, we don't uh, advertise all of the stuff that we make available simply because we have worked very hard to create a foster a safe community for the survivors that are in fellowship and healing journeys and partnership with us but uh, we are doing it we are continuing to support survivors uh with money that we raise and we pay coaches as a ministry uh, we fork out uh scholarships or grants whatever you want to call it and get people coaching hours when they can't afford it and so when you support us you are supporting that endeavor and we continue to move forward with that we have a waiting list and we just move through it uh with that said uh we are very close i have been Believing God for 100 reviews on Amazon for the book Prayers to Shake Heaven and Earth. We have crossed 75. We are over 75% of the way there. So I want to encourage you. I know you guys are out there. You're listening to this podcast. You've gotten the book. You've used the prayers. You've been blessed. Be a part of an answered prayer. And leave a review at your favorite online book retailer. Enough said. I Thank you for all of you that have supported us. If you want to become a financial supporter of Bride Ministries and so into all the things we're doing, go to BrideMovement.com. You can also write us at P.O. Box 835 richardson Texas 75083. We're going to get to this program right now. Don't go anywhere you're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. Folks, I'm sitting down again with Casey, and we are about to do another story time. And the the thing I really appreciate about these podcasts is that this is an opportunity for you as listeners to get an insider's vantage point on how ministry sessions actually do play out. And Casey is unique among other clients that I've worked with in that she has made detailed notes of our sessions together in order to keep a record both for herself and, well, you as well. (laughs) And so uh, I am just so excited to be able to do these when when we schedule them and she is back today to share some of the most exciting stuff she's shared thus far to be completely honest and so with that said Casey welcome back to discovering the truth with Dan Duvall
1: thank you Daniel it is an honor as always to be back with you once again to do story time with Casey
0: <laughs> okay so I'm not going to waste any time just talking around stuff we're gonna go right in and uh, we picked up, you know, after our last podcast, of of course, in our work, continuing to go after stuff. Spirit husband issues, um, issues with other bondages that were creating hindrance in your life. And so you had some dreams that led to more work that we were going to do. And so why don't you... Launch us into this podcast with sharing those dreams that led to the subsequent work.
1: Okay. All right. So, now as we know, uh, with all of the other sessions, we always know that Daniel starts our sessions out with prayer. So, now I, after prayer, I told Daniel that I had two dreams before we started the coaching session. So, the first dream I had was about some human uh, spirits and another spirit husband, that's right, another spirit husband. Well, you know, the the Lord told me, I remember the Lord, when we first started our coaching sessions with Daniel, uh, my husband who faithfully prays for me all of the time, uh, he he came uh, to me one day and he said that the Lord told him that it was going to be a process And so we didn't understand, well, we understand now that it really was a process through the whole coaching session because, you know, we we think that we had uh, eliminated all of the spirit husbands and then another one would pop up. Well, in this dream, here's another one. So this spirit husband didn't seem to be a spirit husband, but a human spirit. Maybe a programmer, I thought to myself. When the dream ended, I pondered about what kind of spirits they appeared to be. Charles, my guardian angel and protector, said that they were human spirits. My guardian angel was 75 years old, and he looked like he was tired. So my dream was uh, I was actually traveling in a government car with some men and women in the car with me. I was in the front seat and a man drove the car. A man sat behind me in the car and he said that he was going to divorce me. That's, what, that's all he said, that he was just going to divorce me. He didn't reveal himself to me, but I'm getting a name. I actually perceived that his name was Theodore and that was actually his first name. So I asked Charles who Theodore was and where did he come from, and uh, Charles didn't answer. He didn't answer that at all. He didn't have an answer for that. But I heard that he was from Germany and that he's been lost since 1920, since the 1920s. Now, that's very interesting uh, as we learn more and more about human spirits and how they uh, interact with us here in the earth. It's quite interesting. Daniel, do you want to have anything to say about that before we go on?
0: Yes. So I will just say a few things. One, we have a class now at Bride Ministries Institute, which you can find at bridemovement.com. And this new class we've just added, well, depending on when you listen to this podcast, if it's years down the road, it's not new, but uh, as of now, we've just added a, a, a course on deliverance prayers from the book, Prayers that Shake Heaven and Earth, and how to use them. And in that course, there's a long discourse on the freedom from human persecutors prayer, which gets into some of the finer points of the messiness and why dealing with human souls disembodied and so forth uh, spirits at times are necessary it's it's actually a necessary part of ministry many people that have been classically trained in theology are are told look when people die uh, they either go to heaven or they go to hell and while people are alive they are in their bodies and that's the way it works. Well, uh, not so. As, as a matter of fact, in the book of Ezekiel, it actually talks about people that went out to catch souls with pillows. It was a type of witchcraft. Um, and, and those souls that they're catching are not in physical bodies. They're actually <laughs> hunting them outside of bodies. You know, and it, it, I mean... We could go on and on. What we find in the course of warfare is that we absolutely have these incursions with people, and Casey's going to give you her testimony, uh, that that are quite strange, uh, that don't make sense, that don't even uh, occur in linear time as we understand it, if that's even a real thing. (laughs) And my questions about time are going far and wide at this point, and I believe that God is about to give a whole new revelation of what time is and means in the near future, because it certainly makes less and less sense in this work. And and the fact of the matter is the fruit of deliverance follows addressing problems as though they are involving human souls and spirits, which is what we wound up doing with this guy. So with that said, uh, go ahead and continue your testimony.
1: Okay. Okay. And so uh, now it appeared to be cold in this realm that I was in along with these human spirits because all of these human spirits were dressed uh, in winter business suits with wool trench coats and top hats. And the men wore fedora men's hats that matched their suits and coats. They were very well dressed. The timeline seemed to be in the 80s and the location seemed to be somewhere in Germany. This place didn't seem real to me, but I knew that it was a real place because I was actually there. So we arrived at a building and approached a landing deck of what seemed to be a combination of a warehouse and a spacecraft atmosphere. This building was in the middle of a village or town And it was surrounded by shops, a movie theater, a bank, and some other businesses. All of this was under a glass dome. This warehouse made weapons of mass destruction in preparation to destroy the human population on the earth. And then that dream ended. So Daniel asked Charles if Theodore was a human spirit. And of course, Charles Uh, Charles said yes at that time and then Daniel prayed that Theodore would come to the front to be revealed to me but he was confined uh, to a timeline that he was in which was in Germany if you can imagine that Theodore could not come front because he was actually stuck in a timeline he couldn't come front uh, he could not advanced forward and and it was in Germany. So I saw Theodore standing behind a glass wall and he pressed his face in the wall and the front part of his body was against the glass wall with a small portal hole in it, which was at Theodore's waist level. So this small portal hole was too small for Theodore to come through. So Daniel prayed that Jesus would appear to Theodore In that same timeline and to take him where he wanted him to go. The presence of the Lord made Theodore turn into an extreme madman and he was removed from that timeline. I felt a breath of wind come out through my mouth and I felt that this human spirit was removed from me. However, he was not totally gone. So I told Daniel that it was gone, but Daniel's perception, uh, be- caused him to know that no, it wasn't over yet. So Daniel paused and he had, he had that knowing look when I, when I was looking at him and then he asked Charles, He he asked Charles if Theodore was still there, uh, or was he gone? And Charles said that Daniel, that, um, uh, uh, Theodore was still there, and Daniel asked Charles if he needed to pray, and Charles said yes. Now I just like to pause here. You know, Daniel commands uh, angels, and Charles is very very responsive to Daniel, so they work very very well together, and Charles literally uh, can guide Daniel through a session. And and, um, let him know what he will need to do in order to um, overcome, help me to overcome in each and every one of these sessions. So Daniel led me to pray freedom from human persecutor prayer. And, of course, that's found on the BrideMovement.com website. And also, Daniel has a book so that you can actually have something with you, something tangible with you, wherever you are, wherever you go. You can actually have a book to refer to this prayer as well. So in the process of getting set free in Christ Jesus, it can at times be necessary to be separated from human spirits. They are different but they're not demons or heavenly beings. However, their anchor and influences can go extremely deep if they have been established through technology or rituals. And that's very interesting because when you go through the prayer uh, of being freed from human persecutors, um, Daniel will mention the separation process in those prayers. It's very interesting. Also, I felt the separation actually to take place on the inside of me as well as as the session um, as we went through that prayer. So after completing praying the freedom from human persecutors prayer, Theodore the human spirit left because no longer. He had no longer a legal right to maintain a position in me. This human spirit built an intelligent backup system that looked like a car engine, and it had a brain in it, like a human brain. This was connected to my heart. This brain and car engine was alive, and they could talk. Yes, they could talk. It said that it will tell me what to think and how to think. Now, can you imagine that? A brain in a car engine telling me that I'm going to think and feel how it tells me to feel and think. But this is uh, intelligence. This is is what it's all about, ladies and gentlemen. And it is here right now. It's called AI. Is that correct, Daniel?
0: Uh, Yeah. So there's all kinds of devices that they build. There are loads and buckets of evil devices, machinations, machines. Um, it's, It's incredible what they have devised. And these things exist in the spirit realm. So you have to see in the spirit, and when you do, this is what you will encounter. And, you know, one of the toughest things that a lot of people that have tried to get into deliverance ministry have run into is okay, I'm trying to deliver a person, but what is this that I'm now being confronted with? How am I going to take it apart? Some of these things do need to be taken apart, uh, and some of these bondages are extremely complex. One of the things that Casey just mentioned was that I you know, double-checked her response, and she said, you know, I'm free. And I said, aha, let's see if that's really the case. You know, I don't know if it was intuition, guys, or if it was just me speaking from being burned so many times because I can't tell you how many times, like in my earlier experience, people would come to me and say, Oh, I'm free, Dandoval. And I'd be like, Yes, and I'd be so excited that we got some freedom, I would just believe them. And I'm like, I'm over it because what happens is I would get an email five hours later, it's still here, Dandoval. And I'm like, Ah, so I got you know, it's like, Okay, well, let's figure out what we're going to do next. So I, I, I just stopped being hopeful. I was like, no, we're going to work with facts and truth. <laughs> so I, I'm moving into facts and truth mode, and I'm like, is it really gone? And uh, thanks God for you know, the angels that are on assignment with us that help. And so Charles is like, nope. And we were able to do some more thorough work right on the spot and make sure it's gone. And I, I mean, this is just modus operandi. If I'm working with deliverance, I'll always ask. Um, Holy Spirit, Jesus, angels, whoever is present. Like, if it's something big, you know, is it really gone? And get a second opinion. Uh, but, you know, in response to what Casey is bringing up about this brain machination, I mean, they they use all kinds of, of, of stuff and they attach it and they use a lot of DNA in the bondages. I, I, I've realized that they... You know, they talk often about a double helix of DNA when you look at biology, but what we're learning is that they are able to wrap people's spiritual DNA, which are strands beyond two strands. There is a third strand, but we've seen fourth and fifth, and even sixth strands of DNA. But they're—it's it, like they exist in the spirit. I don't have another way to explain it, and they're able to wrap them into things like counterfeit timelines like other planets like devices of various sorts that exist in the components or areas of the spirit realm or what the Bible would call heavenly places like in Ephesians 6.12 we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities against powers against the rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places so, so, so you see these devices existing in these heavenly places sometimes they, they're um, you know but they're connecting into the body and and they're built by intelligences like demons or fallen angels and sometimes uh, initiated human souls or soul fragments that are at work in the spirit to do these things uh, as a matter of fact I will share one brief a- anecdote um, because I've met parts in people that have told me things like oh yeah it was my job to uh, go out of body and analyze a person's life and then report to a Illuminati uh, laboratory, along with a team of other out-of-body soul fragments, and we would develop a plan to build counterfeit timelines around that person's life in order to sabotage them. And the scientists in the Illuminati laboratory in the other dimension would build the counterfeit timelines. And then the only objective is to anchor it to the person's life with an agreement point. And then their whole life can be derailed with a counterfeit timeline. But the intelligence behind it are human souls and other things that are working together as part of the kingdom of darkness. And so there's all kinds of funny stuff. And Casey's giving her funny stuff. (laughs) So why don't you continue with your testimony, Casey, and let us know what happened.
1: Yes, okay, so now Daniel prayed for the destruction of this brain and the car engine. And what he did is that he put huge magnets above and around the engine. He commanded that every portal access point be open in the engine to extract the backup intelligence out of it. The magnets stuck to the brain out of the engine and it landed on what seemed to be underneath one of the magnets so the brain creates what seems to be an umbilical cord now if, if you can imagine this now Daniel he prays for a huge magnet to appear to to uh, to actually suck up the brain now the brain with its own intelligence seems to produce an umbilical cord, in an attempt to survive. Everyone, that's right. That's exactly what it did. So this umbilical cord connected to the back of the car engine, and it started to download its intelligent data into uh, into the into another kind of event because it was actually trying to survive. So this brain was actually dying. So this brain attempted to download its intelligent data into another medium uh, because it was trying to survive, if, if you can just imagine that. So Daniel prayed for the umbilical cord to be cut and immediately it was cut. Daniel prayed that salt would be poured on the brain that was attached to the magnet. The brain was completely destroyed and it shriveled until it existed no more. However, another part of the umbilical cord was moving with life in it and it kept the engine working that was entangled in my heart. If you can imagine that. So Daniel prayed to find out where this data intelligent placed in me was located and i was actually taken back in my timeline when i was almost drowned when i was 5 years old in 1964 which and we found out that this was the very beginning this is where the origin of all of this all of this uh, imaginable Activity that we just discussed happened. Okay, so now, I was actually at a neighbor's house shortly after my father's untimely death. And uh, my father was a B-52 pilot, and uh, he was killed back uh, in, in 64, 1964 during the mu- uh, Cuban Missile Crisis. But um, anyway, after his death, I went. I wanted to float in the deep part of, of a swimming pool And I thought, uh, being five years old, that I could just use a summer beach ball, uh, you know, as my floater, that that's going to help me float. Well, you know, my mother warned me over and over again not to go out in the deep and not to go out on that ball. But I did it anyway. And uh, when I went out there, when I launched out there, the ball immediately rolled away from under me and there I was flailing in the water with no protection. So I sunk down to the bottom of the pool and I came back up to the top. I sunk down again and I came back up. But the third time when I descended to the bottom of the pool, I did not come back up. And I remember that I was not scared and that I felt very calm and I knew that I was going to die. And I was saying to myself, actually, as I was descending down to the bottom of the pool, well, this is not so bad. I can go home and see my father. This is what I was saying as a as a little girl, a five-year-old girl. But a teenager who was there seeing the whole episode dove into the water to get me from the bottom of the pool and to bring me to the surface and out surface of the water, that is, and then out of the pool. So I faintly remember uh, being pulled uh, through the water and out of the pool. Well, the human spirit used my rebellion against my mother's warning to implant this data intelligence into my heart and for him to live in me as a being. So this is one thing I like to say. The kingdom of darkness will find your weak points and they love to fine just uh, all they need is rebellion or you know just being rebellious rebellious against your parents all, all they need is just one small entry point in order to enter into you to work i mean they can build up kingdoms they can build all kind of things in you to keep you in bondage so i am saying if you have well meaning parents Please be obedient to your parents, especially for the young children. There are some teenagers that are listening to the podcast, and there are some young people out there listening to the podcast. I admonish you to please be obedient to your parents, well-meaning parents, that is. So, Daniel, did you want to say anything?
0: I... You know, I I just want to say that... I I mean, Casey is giving you her testimony. This actually happened, guys. Uh, And we were actually dealing with this issue that was creating a lot of background noise in her life and it it needed to be dealt with. The enemy loves to use traumas. Uh, The enemy loves to use um, points of active rebellion against god whatever those happen to be in order to establish grounds but they are getting very fancy with the kind of things they put into those insertion points you know you can think about moments of deep trauma or moments of you know our rebellion or so so forth with whatever it happens to be in life as as you know insertion points potential insertion points for something of the kingdom of darkness it, And sometimes things get quite extensive and because they're being built down in the spirit realm it's like how did this size of mess get established based on that you know sometimes it doesn't quite fully make sense to us and i mean i don't have all the answers on some of this stuff but they they do And, and once upon a time you you had a simple situation where you have sin in your life so a demon anchors itself to that and then you repent of the sin and you kick out the demon but now you have an open hole or a door access point in your life and so they build a machine and anchor it to that door and five other trauma points in your life and attach it with cords and put a backup system in place and attach it to a power source that may or may not be in this timeline and on and on and on and they keep on anchoring it deeper and deeper and... It, it, by all these modalities and pairing it with artificial intelligence they get people stuck where they've been through every deliverance prayer they've been to this ministry they've been doing that and still they can't get free and, and these are some of the reasons why it's because they're going in with you know it's an accident but then it's just it's building out this complex issue <laughs> so uh, anyway let's continue
1: Absolutely Daniel that is my story too about going to several deliverance sessions and something just wasn't right I was something was missing from each one and and it's because of uh, what you've just discussed So you know I I told Daniel that the engine's source of its life was that it had some of my soul parts in it Theodore's intelligence in the engine called it my humanity. So I told Daniel to remove my humanity from the engine. And of course, Daniel prayed to have my humanity removed out of the engine. Then Daniel led me to pray to remove all of my parts from this engine intelligence. So I saw Charles, meanwhile, as we were praying, I saw Charles, my protector, dismantling the engine and uh, Charles actually had a look of disgust on his face. So he dismantled the whole engine. Around uh, 60 minutes had passed uh, in this section. And I felt that all of the parts of that brain intelligence were removed. And I could only see the imprints of it um, where it was located on my heart tissue now i'm actually looking at my real heart spiritually and i could see these things going on i could see my heart but i could also see the imprints of where this intelligent brain was attached to the tissues of my heart so i directed my human spirit woman to apply healing balm to the area of that tissue now i like to just pause just a little bit here uh this is um Daniel has uh, uh, gotten me to the point now where I could begin to minister to myself some of the healing and some of the deliverances. So uh, at this point, I was able to direct my spirit woman to apply healing balm to the area of that tissue. Now, earlier in my a story time with KC episodes. We talk about how Daniel actually activated my spirit woman, and he gave her some items to put in her purse. And one of the items was a healing bomb. So this is one of the items that uh, she used to apply to the tissue of my heart. And I saw the healing bomb actually being placed on my heart, and my heart being healed from that time point time endpoint. And yes, I now realize and accepted that my healing and restoration journey would be a process. The Lord told my husband it was going to be a process. We had no idea what the word process or the meaning, according to the Lord's definition, would be until that moment in time. So that ended that part of the session so now I want to go into dream number two I was in another realm at a factory that seemed to be a programming school the season seemed to be summer I was cleaning the floor of an empty room that was under construction and a masquerader in the form of my husband was there He was not happy with me. I was in a room of a building where he lived. He decided to take a shower. So this masquerader joined two other ladies in the bathroom to take a shower. One of the ladies was his girlfriend. So I asked him how long uh, was he involved with this lady? And of course, he didn't answer. So a feeling of betrayal and rejection attempted to overcome me. And then the dream ended. So the last thing we did in this coaching session was that Daniel led me through the freedom from principalities and fallen angels prayers. Now, you know, I have to uh, say right here that these principalities, a masquerader, a principality can take uh, any type of um, form that they want to take and they can masquerade into images of people that you know, and you think that they're your friend, your husband, your relatives, et cetera, in your dreams, or they can actually manifest uh, physically in this room that we are in, but they're actually called masqueraders. So Daniel led me through the, the prayer of uh, freedom from principalities and fallen angels in order to defeat the polygamy spirit husband that was revealed in that dream. So in the process of getting set free, uh, it may be necessary to be separated from principalities and other types of fallen hosts in that angel. So separating from those fallen angels influences are different than casting out low level demons, heavenly powers interface with people, but do not typically possess or even desire to spend significant time in a human being who is under their control. Daniel, do you want to explain that a little more?
0: Yeah. So just a a few points here. You know, I have a, a number of prayers that I would use under different circumstances. One is the freedom from fallen heavenly powers prayer. That was the original template that a lot of these other prayers I use were built out of that helped me to untether a person from an entity that is not possessing their body because they have their own bodies and they're living somewhere else and they're tethered to many people or interfacing with many people. And so the, I, I distinguish b- d- demons and fallen angels or even demons and other humans. They're all different types of spirits. And then I have another prayer, which is the freedom from fallen angels and heavenly power uh, uh, bloodlines and genetics, because I learned that sometimes these angels have deep genetic rights in an individual. And so if I discern that we need to actually deal deeply with the genetic conversation because there's been embedding of angelic data into the person's genetic code and that is serving as a backdoor. We want to use this prayer. Now in order to understand this, I'm just gonna say a few things briefly. We need to understand iniquity. That's that's the key that unlocks a lot of revelation in this whole thing. It's it's iniquity. And When we're talking about iniquity, we have to learn that the Bible has a conversation on this that is different from the conversation that the Bible is having on sin or even transgression. There's actually three words used in the original Hebrew uh, as you go through the Old Testament. One word is used for sin. It's called chata'ath. Another word is used for transgression. And still another word is used for Iniquity, And actually, iniquity comes from a, a collection of Hebrew words, which ultimately mean perversion. And in the book of Isaiah, it talks about the finished work of Jesus Christ, what he came to do. And it says that he was wounded for our transgressions, but he was bruised for our iniquities. And that's actually different from... The fact that his soul was offered up for our sins. It's actually three different things that he is doing in Isaiah. Now we don't read it like that because in America we have oversimplified sin to just be one thing, but the Bible actually has a more developed conversation on the subject. And so when you look at going from sin, which in Greek is the word hamarsha, which means to mix the mark, and you move into iniquity, which is perversion, you see that it's something going far deeper. Perversion means to change state, practically. Like it's it's to be perverted from an original intent. And so Lucifer, when he rebelled from God, had iniquity found in him. This was a perversion. It was a uh, move away from the original intention that God had for him that was birthed in his own substance. And so for that reason, God had him thrown out as a profane thing. Well, iniquity gets birthed in us. And there's often a pattern where sin moves into transgression, which means rebellion, which then moves into iniquity, which is perversion. And let's say I was to deal with uh, an incest Family, right? So you have a survivor coming from a line of ancestors that are all engaging in incest. So first there's the desire conceived in a past generation, and then there's an acting upon that. And then there's a lifestyle developed around that, and eventually you just have a person regularly engaging in incest and having a conscience seared to that. Well, when they sire a children in that state of perversion, that becomes what the Bible calls... Generational iniquity. That is the sins. It's not the sins. It's the iniquity of the fathers being passed to the third and fourth generations. That is the word that the Bible, it doesn't even say sin. It says generational iniquity. And so the father will pass that perversion that they have received in their own members into their child. And that child will likely be born with a, uh, a, a predisposition towards that kind of lifestyle where they begin to target children and engage in incest and so forth. So it's actually become rooted in their genetic code, which if they build upon what their fathers started, they'll often go further than their parents went in that iniquity and then give birth to a generation that is capable of going further than that. So what you have is the capacity to build iniquity within generations. And this is often the power source that evil people are after, which is why they are targeting uh, families that have lots of incest in them. And this comes back to the idea of 13 Illuminati bloodlines. Those bloodlines contain so much iniquity and they're trying to converge them. So there's a convergence agenda. But moving away from that conversation... I, I, I'm i saying that when I'm going to deal with someone that maybe is operating from a bloodline of, you know, and I, I'm just picking incest here, I may opt to address incest within the context of the fallen angels bloodlines and genetics prayer because i am trying to root the incest out from their dna their bone marrow their cellular programming which is the language that this prayer uses and gets into enhancements established by artificial intelligence nanotechnology which may have been put into them or delivered through various vectors including uh i can't even get into all the science and stuff but i mean Vaccines, Chemtrail I I don't even know All the stuff That they're using anymore It's just Gone so far But So So here we have Polygamy And I recognize Look this stuff Is probably pretty deep Let's lean on this Freedom from fallen angels Bloodlines and genetics Prayer to root it out Of the Genetic code And Cellular programming And deal with it Thoroughly And, And we did And boom We're free And there's breakthrough So that said let's move on
1: absolutely <clears throat> and uh, when um, uh, Daniel mentioned to defeat polygamy the polygamy spirit husband um you know it's 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 like okay well who am my bloodline you know your brain starts to turn okay now who in the world polygamy and then you got the brain in the com- in the car engine and all this stuff I mean your brain is going. It's running a hundred miles an hour trying to process all of this. But um, through the prayers and through Daniel's expertise, uh, like it says, we're actually getting to the root of problems that happened years before I came onto the scene, you know, years before the Lord sent me into this earth. And it's, it's a wonderful thing to experience. So this entire coaching session was complete with our, with the two dreams and dealing with the two dreams and uh, praying against those uh, iniquities and things that Daniel just mentioned. Um, And it was a wonderful thing. So this, that prayer session ended at that time. And um, we uh, at that point in time, seven days passed and uh, we were ready for the uh, next prayer session. Now, this next prayer session, you know, neither one of us knew the depth of warfare that we were about to enter, but you know, I was impressed with this next prayer sh- session um, to charge, Dan- to charge uh, Charles, my, my guardian angel's realm and my realm with the names of God. And I had no idea while I was, why I was doing it. I thought to myself, well, you know, Daniel taught me how to charge my rim and Charles's rim with the name of God. You know, why don't I just put that into practice? But I said to myself, you know, something else is going on and and the and I need to go ahead and charge both of our realms with the name of God. So the names of God that I uh, was led to charge our realms work with um, were uh Elohim, Adonai, El Roe, El Shaddai, Jehovah Sabor, Jehovah Sik- Disikinu, Jehovah Elion, Jehovah Shema, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Elohim, Jehovah Raphaqah, Jehovah Makedeshkim, El Roi and El Elyon. So, Charles, my guardian angel, told me that he could charge his own rim from that point on. So, um, I introduced Charles, my guardian angel, uh, you know, back in episode one. If you want to know more about him, for those who are actually listening to this episode for the first time. So, Dan, uh, Daniel asked about the status of Charles, and I confirmed to Daniel that Charles was still 75 years old with his sword strapped to his right side. Daniel greeted Charles. And he replied to Daniel saying, it's about time you showed up. You know, Charles really loves, oh, he loves Daniel. And there were times where Charles would actually stand at attention. And sometimes he would just stand in anticipation of working with Daniel. And this could be for days. So uh, he was so happy to, to see Daniel that day. He's, he said, it's about time you showed up. So uh, Daniel and I both laughed at that. So Charles uh, was 75 years old from the last session that I mentioned. And uh, seven days passed by and he's still 75 years old. And I mentioned uh, in my prior episodes that when Charles is 75 years old, then we can expect that we're actually going to do some type of warfare uh, during the session. So I told Daniel about an oppressor who afflicted me before the coaching session. So Daniel asked Charles if he knew about the oppressor that afflicted me and he had no answer. Now you might say, what? Charles, a guardian angel? And he doesn't know who's afflicting me? Well, that answer is yes. Charles did not know who was afflicting me now that does not mean that he's not aware that something is afflicting me he just didn't know who was afflicting me so daniel proceeded to explain to me that angels don't know everything even though they're angels daniel told me that there are occasions when he would begin to talk about a matter when the angels would be able to see what Daniel was talking about. So as Daniel started to talk, then that would activate the seeing uh, portion in the angels and the angels would begin to pick up uh, where Daniel is actually talking to see uh, what Daniel's talking about. So the angels would actually have a knowledge and uh, they would also have a uh, um, an input on what needs to be done to solve the problem. So at times, the same scenario mentioned above can be s- similar for a seer. So, you know, a seer, like like us, you know, I'm a seer. The same thing could be mentioned for us as above. We may not know about a particular situation, but if Daniel starts to mention a problem, then we'll start tuning in on where he is. You know, and basically we call it locating. We'll actually locate him in that realm where he is, and we'll be we'll be able to see what's going on in that place at that certain time. And we will also have solutions to those problems. Daniel, do you want to say anything?
0: I mean, you said it. Angels don't know everything. They're not omniscient. They're not omnipresent. Like God is, Uh, they're not. They are created beings, and they know what they need to know to do their jobs, and uh, they have a sentience that's unique to them. Uh, Some angels have different personalities. It's it's really eye opening when you get out of the ether as far as okay, these are what my assumptions are about the angelic realm, and you get into the reality of, okay, now I'm engaging with the angelic realm, and this is actually the way it works. And, and angels don't know everything, and, and they don't ha, seem to have any qualms with being honest about that. <laughs> Say, hey, do you know this? No. Do you? <laughs> and, uh, and oftentimes, you know, when I'm in sessions, I mean, we run into stuff, and the angels, they, they don't know what to do. They're waiting for me to hear from Holy Spirit what to do. And then they take their orders as I'm giving the wisdom of God because th- this is how God trains us to be sons. He's not He's not training the angels to be sons. He's, he's raising up t- us up to be sons and daughters. And so he wants us to be able to go to him as Abba and hear from daddy about what to do. And so, you know, we work with angels and sometimes they know stuff. So it, it helps and it is like a shortcut. It's just like, oh, yeah, this is this. And, you know, you just go with it other times. It's like anything else. and people come to me, Daniel, this and this and such and such. Do you know? Nope, do you? <laughs> and so uh, you know we just we, 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 we just uh, work with what we got. Amen. So uh, you, but but you write about the whole Seer thing, and many seers d- do work this way when a person begins to speak into something like uh, the work the Lord is doing or some kind of bondage, they may be trying to discern over a person's life. Other seers will be able to zero in on that and they'll begin getting downloads on that subject. And so it's very interesting the way that works, but it is what it is. Go ahead.
1: Okay. So now I told Daniel that I was still oppressed by a spiritual being and my husband and, and how my husband and I could hear a noise from this spirit being while we tried to sleep. So there seemed to be a growling type sound that came uh, that was actually around my, the, the, my, the area of my mouth. And so Daniel prayed that the oppressor would come forth and identify himself. So an image appeared in front of Charles, and this is this is kind of funny, but yes, an image appeared in front of Charles. Now Charles is seventy-five with the sword on his right uh, sword on his right side. Now he's looking, and an image appears before Charles, and it's in the form of a hippopotamus. Now this hippopotamus had a look of defiance on his face. So Daniel asked him who he was and the hippopotamus replied to Daniel in a very defiant voice, how dare you ask me for my identity? Uh, Yeah, a hippopotamus talking back to Daniel like that. How dare you ask me for my identity? So I told Daniel that Charles had his sword in his right hand and he was actually poking the hippopotamus in his nose. Oh, it was a funny thing you know Charles, you know, Charles is, he's mighty he, but sometimes he likes to have fun and he was actually poking the nose the tip of the nose to the hippopotamus and he was like being amused this was a big amusement thing for him so to me it looked like Charles was telling the spirit being to back up and to stay away but at the same time he was very inquisitive And he was actually having a little fun. So now I was inquisitive as to why Charles was only poking the hippopotamus spirit being in the nose and wasn't doing anything else. Charles is very quick to use his sword to literally slice the beings up, but he didn't do that this time. So Charles seemed to be having fun and uh, it it was just a a point of amusement for him. So now... I I have to say that, you know, usually after the coaching session, my husband husband will Google some events that happen within the coaching session to give us a little more understanding of what happened in the coaching session. So, So in this particular case, my husband Googled the sounds or the noises of a hippopotamus, and the first result that he received Describe the exact sounds that we heard while we were actually trying to sleep and it was on a YouTube channel. I mean the exact sound i mean if you if you just google hippopotamus sounds you you'll probably get that same you know sound, but that's what was going on. That's what we heard in the spare room. so Daniel, do you want to say anything about that?
0: Nope, go on,
1: okay. All right, so Daniel said to me that the hippopotamus spirit being did not know what he was about to do to him since he replied back to Daniel with a defiant challenge. You know, when I told Daniel <laughs> when I told Daniel what that hippopotamus said, Daniel's expression on his face changed from one of, of relaxation <laughs> to one of intense. It was like, I know that hippopotamus wasn't talking to me like that. <laughs> so so with, with the authority of God, Daniel began to speak into existence a steel cage to imprison the spirit being. So the spirit being saw the cage and he backed up in alarm. He was in total alarm then at that point uh uh-oh the game was on he decided that he's going to change his image ship shape change his image into his real identity so this hippopotamus creature was not a hippopotamus at all he was a fallen angel who seemed to be about 75 feet tall he looked like he was all muscle with his body i mean he, the entire he was in the image of a man and his it was all muscle literally like hard hard muscle he had razor blade like wings his wings looked like razor blades instead of having the feathers there his he had razor blades uh and like to replace the feathers so it was like the feathers of his wings were razor blade and these razor blade feather looking wings overlapped each other. So he stood tall with his arms crossed and he said nothing, but he was looking at Daniel. So Daniel told him to reveal his identity and I heard the name Adronicus and that's what he said like in this low, utter, deep, voice like Adronachus. And so Daniel asked me if the fallen angel said, if if, if he said that his name was a So the fallen angel replied to Daniel's question that a rather, a was his identity, but then he said his name was Adronacus. Well, now at this point in time, Daniel uh was In complete uh, he was in serious mode at that time because he knew who Adromaleus was so later in the coaching session I told Daniel that he had what seemed to be a network of fallen angels as his allied forces so when I actually saw Adromaleus standing there with his razor blade uh, wings etc with his arms crossed I could actually see an allied of fallen angels actually standing before him, and they were actually waiting. And you could hear the growling. You could hear the noises in the background. It was very noisy in this room, by the way. It was beginning to be very, very noisy, and they were just waiting for the uh, battle command to commence. And so and you could just you could see their eyes. Their eyes were like yellow. They were appearing. You could see this. It was like a black, very Black cloud that they were in that in, in that enveloped that whole alliance force, but you could see partially their figures in the back, and they were just moving around restlessly, waiting for battle. So I invited. Um, so after that, uh, I want to to uh, talk about a little note here. We actually Google. A and you can Google him for yourself. It's A-N-D-R-O-M-A-L-I-U-S. And when you Google him, you can go to Wikipedia. The Wikipedia had a write-up. And then seeing some of the pictures of the fallen angel, I understood at that point in time where the other fallen angels who network with Adromaleus You know who they were and where they actually came from so now there there were two pictures from google and it probably shows up with the two pictures of the uh allied forces and also a picture of uh, a drama now when i saw a drama he actually looked like the uh, uh like a hairy uh he was hairy a hairy being a lot of hair all over his head And he had a lot of muscles. I mean, he was just muscles with snakes around him. And, um, but if you see another picture of Adromalus, you will see him that shows his allied forces in the background. You can see it very clearly. And um, so it says right here in uh, Wikipedia that Adromalus was a mighty, uh, great, Earl of hell having 36 legions of demons at his service he can bring back both the thief and the stolen goods he punishes all thieves or other wicked people and discovers hidden treasures all evilness and all dishonest dealings Dramaleus is depicted as a man holding a big serpent in his hand another write up about Dram- uh, Dramaleus Read as as follows: He is the seventieth second spirit in order. He is an Earl, great mighty, appearing in the form of a man, holding a great serpent in his hand. His office is to bring back both a thief and the goods which he has stolen, and to discover all wickedness and underhanded dealings, and to punish all thieves, and all wicked people, and also to discover the treasures that he hid. So he ruled over 36 legions of evil spirits. Now, at this point in time, we had no idea that this is what we were about to enter into battle with. So, Daniel paused for just one moment, and then he said, I put two huge worn angels, one on your right and the other on your left side for protection. And then he began to charge his realm, my realm, and Charles's realm simultaneously with the names of God. And yes, he actually used the names of God that I charged my realm and Charles's realm with before we started. So Daniel sensed that my ruler was on the scene, and he asked me. Now, you know, after Daniel actually charged on realms, he immediately asked. He, he had this look on his face. He said, as if he's actually looking at my ruler. He said, is your ruler there? And so I located my ruler, and I saw my ruler. Yes, she was there. Now, you know, Adramalees is 75 feet tall by this time My ruler grew a little bit from the time that she was activated, but she still was not as tall as 75 feet. My ruler was actually floating in the air and she was actually staring in the face of a Dramalia. So I saw my ruler in front of Dramalia and she was at his head level. And then the moment that I said to Daniel, I said, yes, my ruler started cutting Adromaleus with her sword. Now, you know, this was very interesting because I'm seeing this. I'm interacting with Daniel, and at the same time, I'm seeing this action going on with my ruler and Dramalius. And it was very interesting to me because she looked so little to be in front of this fallen angel. Yet, my ruler was not intimidated at all. She was about 10 feet, I would say, tall in my estimation. And then, you know, this is when Daniel first activated her. She was about 10 feet. But then uh, she grew to be about 20 feet. And this is because she was fighting uh, other angels. She was actually taking on assignments from the Lord between those times. And, you know, each uh, uh, assignment that she would take on, of course, she would grow in stature. So she's about 20 feet. So now... I mentioned that she makes her presence known by her shout. And, and I uh, mentioned how I thought when when Daniel first activated my ruler, I thought, oh, my goodness, what in the world have we gotten into? Because, you know, my ruler will make her presence known by her shout. And so, you know, I was calling her a mad woman at one time because she, she. Ah, ah, ah. And that's what she does, you know? She makes her presence known in the room. Ah! <laughs> so, <laughs> so, 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 you know, later on through all of the, uh, through the, the the sessions with Daniel, the Lord finally came, uh, gave me the uh, Bible verse, Isaiah 42, 13. And after I read that, I no longer called her the mad woman. But the, Isaiah forty-two thirteen from the Amplified, it says, The Lord will go forth like a warrior. He will stir up his zeal like a man of war. He will shout out. Yes, he will raise a war cry. He will prevail mightily against his enemies. And I'm like, okay, all right, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, ruler. You're no longer... Uh, uh, you're no longer a mad woman. You are a warrior indeed. You're just like the Lord, stirring up your zeal. You are a woman of war. Your shout, yes, you rise. You, She actually will raise a war cry. And she is saying, I will prevail against you. I mean, she's saying this to them. So now my ruler goes forth like a warrior. And uh, she drives her chariot like Jehu. And, you know, if you go back to the Bible and you read about Jehu, everybody knew who Jehu was simply by the way he drove his chariot. So uh, she stirs up her zeal, uh, you know, she shouts and everything, and she sounded like the lion of the tribe of Judah. And she still sounds like that today. When she sends out her war cry, she actually totally terrorizes. These vibrations are vibrations of terror that goes through the realm, that actually goes through the atmosphere of the heavenlies. And it's so dreadful. Uh, The lion of the tribe of Judah, that sound is just so dreadful that it literally shakes the kingdom of darkness to the point that the spirit beings in the kingdom of darkness become paralyzed. They become paralyzed with fear, and great dread falls upon them. And so, you know, that answered my question, like, she's up there with his head, and she's slicing him, and he's doing nothing? But he is actually paralyzed. He is actually in dread and fear at that point in time. So now, my ruler starts at the top of uh, Dramaleus' head, slicing him with her sword, and then she began to fly down to his chest— to slice him with her sword. So to me, you know, it was a strange thing to see, but I was beginning to understand about warfare and what really happens and how Jesus actually gives us the victory, the authority, and the power to literally overcome the spiritual beings in the spirit, in the kingdom of darkness. So, you know, he just stood there, did nothing. So he was paralyzed. So then Daniel's ruler appeared. Now, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, I want you to know that Daniel's ruler is massive. He is very, very massive. He doesn't say anything, but he knows how to do he knows how to do warfare and do it very effectively. So it was a very dramatic appearance when Daniel's ruler appeared. So now when Daniel's ruler appeared, my ruler pulled back. And positioned herself behind Daniel's ruler just above his head level. So she took that position, which was just above Daniel's ruler's head level, so that she could continue to war against Addroayaus. Now Daniel's ruler was not in his chariot Daniel uh, Daniel's ruler does have a chariot and just a whole horse of uh, uh, war horses. but his ruler. For this particular battle, he, uh, he was not in his chariot, but my ruler was in her chariot. Okay, so now my ruler, who was standing in her chariot, just behind Daniel ruler's head, took her bow, she had a bow, and she loaded it with flaming fire arrows, and she, she uh, aimed them at a drumalus. So these flaming arrows were energized with light, with a light beam of fire. And the third, and this these arrows actually came from the third heaven. It's actually a storehouse in the third heaven that she would actually get these arrows from. So these arrows were high tech. They were like, I mean her her the arrows were like high tech, but so was her bow. Her bow was like a high tech bow and it would shoot 10 arrows at a time. Now her bow laid flat, which was horizontally on its side, to what seemed to be on a heavy duty trigger handle. So now if you can picture this, my ruler has a right hand with a trigger handle on it, and then there's a big bow that lays flat on top of the trigger handle. She loads up the arrows, these fiery, flaming arrows. So she has access to this weapons room. And this is another thing I wanted to mention. This weapon room had an endless supply of weapons and other arrows in it. All she had to do is just lift up her hands, and these arrows would appear to her, and she would load up her bow and shoot. So now she uh, would look up. And she would raise her right hand to receive these flaming arrows. So uh, when these flaming arrows were loaded on her bow and she would pull the trigger, the 10 firing arrows, now this is very, very interesting. These 10 arrows took on a personality of their own and they would multiply themselves into a horde of flaming, fiery arrows to the point that it looked like a rain of firing arrows that moved toward the target, which was a Dramaleus. I mean, it looked like a rain of arrows on fire. So these arrows moved and they sounded like a swarm of microdromes. Now, I would encourage you to look up the word micro and you'll be able to, especially on YouTube, and you'll be able to hear what they, what the, what the noise sound like. I actually looked that up myself on YouTube, and they actually sound like the micro drones. And uh, these micro were programmed to be synchronized to the command of my ruler's thoughts. So these arrows. Uh, they actually guided. It was almost like they were they were guided according to my ruler's thoughts to hit a dromaeus. And when they penetrated dromaeus, they would make this thud, like a thick thud sound, like a thud. I mean, you know, it's like a except it was so. I mean, it was so intense. And then these arrows would would dissolve in a dromaeus. Now, these arrows weakened the strength of Adramaleus. That was the purpose of those arrows. Yes, so now, this is the showdown. So now the showdown, the showdown hadn't even started, ladies and gentlemen. This was just the beginning before the showdown started. So now, Adramaleus is being weakened by these arrows. So now, Daniel's ruler had a stand-down posture and he stood in front of Dromaleus facing him. It looked like a, a to me, it looked like a wild, wild west scene, you know, where you see the two gunmen standing face to face with each other, and their hands are at their side. That's what it looked like to me. So now, Daniel's ruler looked to be about 35 feet tall, and the Dromaleus was about 75 feet tall. So, it, you know, it in a way, it kind of reminded me of the scene of Goliath and David, and you know, in the Bible, so now although Daniel's ruler, rulers' arms were hanging down by his side, they were ready. They were in a ready combative posture, and he was poised for an epic battle. <laughs> yes, the battle of the kingdom of light against the kingdom of darkness had begun. <laughs>
0: I, I, I I love your adjectives here. Casey, <laughs> like adjectives just so wonderful. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry. Please continue.
1: So suddenly, out of nowhere, suddenly, legions, I mean, like, legions of God's angels made a dramatic entrance into the spiritual realm where Daniel's ruler, my ruler, and the and his fallen angel alliance were to fight for us and with us. Now, this was noisy. I mean, it, it this uh, it was noisy. You t- you you have the fallen angels making all of these animal type sounds. You have swords hitting each other. You have God's angels talking loudly, communicating with each other. You have the Uh, noise of wings of angels flying back and forth you i mean it was noisy so now god god's angels fought the hordes of the fallen angels and some fought hand-to-hand combat style while others fought with weapons of swords and battle axes and daggers and while now meanwhile daniel's praying he is actually loosing just a whole Daniel was raining down the word of God when many of the weapons of warfare literally. I mean it was like Daniel Harry the even. he could he I, I I couldn't hear him take a breath, you know. He would pray so long and he would take a small breath, but it was really a big breath because then he would continue to pray. So now, I saw during that while Daniel was praying, I saw one of God's angels partially slice off a wing of a fallen angels. I mean, it was like I couldn't believe it. And so I didn't want to interrupt Daniel while he was raining down the Lord's wrath on Adramalias and the the, the his his uh network back then. But it's like I couldn't help it. I said, damn. I said, the angel cut off his wing. He cut off his wing. I mean, it was a sight to behold that the angel of the Lord, the warring angel of the Lord sliced off a part of the fallen angel's wing. And you can hear like a a shriek, like an animal shriek, like, ah! <laughs> like, oh, gracious. Like, I can't, I'm not doing any justice here trying to imitate these noises and stuff that I heard. But uh, it it was something to behold. So I kept saying to Daniel in an excited manner, and see, I was trying not to get excited because Daniel was just completely calm. As a matter of fact, he was he was zoned out into his own into his own space. There, he was very intense, just zoned out. So, and I kept saying, "Angel, the angel, that fallen angel, he has a partial wing." that the God's angel slashed off his wing. He slashed off his wing. I kept saying it. So then, you know, Daniel wasn't moved. His concentration was intense. And he was just praying a deluge of God's word against uh, Dramaleus. And he did not respond to my excitement at all. So Daniel just kept praying the word of God. Daniel was bombarding the heavens with the word and with the weapons in the word of God and the word of God was like a hammer against a drama list. So the scene in the heavenly was a real heavenly battleground with mountains. It had mountains, it had hills, it had valleys, just like in the earth realm. The atmosphere was a gray color, like on a rainy day that had no sunlight. And then Daniel's ruler and Adromelius were facing each other in the middle of of the multiple hundreds of hundreds of battles between God's angels and the fallen angels all around them. And these battles that took place all around them were arrayed in what seemed to be a semicircle. So Daniel and Adromelius were about two miles apart from each other although in the spirit, there really is no measurable dis- distance, but I, I try to give some type of descriptive, um, you know, definition so that you can have a kind of image of what it looked like in the spirit to me. So Daniel, did you want to say anything?
0: Well, yeah. Um, so first of all, so I, I do need to, uh, say a few things here because, uh, one, I'm concerned about people that are gonna to listen to this and say oh this must be a do- it at home <laughs> 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 let me just say this okay <laughs> um, th- this particular story is not a do-it-yourself educational video um, this this yes this happened uh, yeah God has me uh, take on stuff in the spirit because of my rank and authority and office, and because my assignment is to set captives free in bondage that is extensive, I have heaven's approval to do things that not all believers do, and if you go out headhunting, looking for a fallen angel to pick a fight with, and you are not under submission to your mandate and heavenly assignment you could get into a pickle and um, two if you are one of those people that thinks that you do this kind of warfare and there is no fruit of healing no fruit of deliverance and no fruit that can be practically grounded out in the natural realm I'm telling you, you're probably not doing this type of work. You're, you're probably in your head, and you might be in deception. Um, because, And I say all of these things because I am not in the business of turning out flaky people that just are, are totally missing the mark because they're excited. However, here in this story, there was the fruit of, deliverance and healing when we get to the end. Now uh, having said that, I will also add a verse because some people are going to be very offended at this point that KC would even suggest such a thing as possible. Um, you need look no further than Ephesians six twelve. It says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And most people say, God does all of my fighting for me. What do I need to learn how to fight for? Well, Let me ask you a question. If you have a kid, are you going to feed your kid until they are 80 years old? Are you going to teach them how to get a job, make money, and buy their own food and cook it themselves? If you are a good parent, you will teach your children to do what you do. There are many passages about God being a mighty warrior, about him having a war cry, about him breaking the powers of darkness, all throughout Psalms, Isaiah, different passages. Well, guess what he's training his sons and daughters to do? To be like him. Now, Another point of clarification. Some people think, oh, okay. well, if I have a certain rank in the natural, then I must be able to do this. I just haven't figured it out yet. So I'll just pray a certain way and expect. Let me explain something to you. Casey is articulating what she saw our spirits doing because they're active in the spirit realm. Now, most Christians are not yet active in the spirit realm in this way. Uh, Casey certainly wasn't until her spirit was activated into this capacity. Most believers that I meet are completely shut down. The majority, that's over 60% of people, they have no connection with their spirit man at all. So if they begin to engage the spirit realm, what they are doing is engaging out of their soul. Okay? Casey did not say her soul was slashing at... And dramamalius it was her spirit person and she was doing it autonomously it Casey didn't send her spirit out to do that she was operating in an assignment in a capacity she knew she had from Jesus her spirit as an independent uh component of Casey's soul and and mine as well and so we are actually taking cues from our spirit man and woman who are active in the spirit realm when paul said we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers and we begin to take this to the full extent of what that means which is we being us christians believers sons and daughters of god we not jesus all by himself while you sit back on the sideline and watch we we have to understand paul's spirit was very strong very big very active and capable of doing things in the spirit realm And we have to give time for that level of engagement to emerge in our lives if we're ever going to engage on this level. But here's the reality of Ephesians 6.12. The word wrestle comes from the Greek word pale, which actually has the context of being a contest between two individuals in which uh, each endeavors to throw the other. It's a wrestling match. And that's what that verse is actually talking about. It's like a wrestling match with principalities, a wrestling match with powers. And he's saying we. So what Casey is seeing is a a, a very uh, extensive outplay of Ephesians 6.12 because I'm warring on behalf of her right to be free in Christ Jesus and we're enforcing something. Under a heavenly mandate. And so uh, that's how all of this grounds out. And I I needed to say all of that, Casey, because, you know, as as we get into some of this stuff and then I am then dealing with certain things and I look back and I'm just like, this is where people get messed up. And I need to say it because otherwise we're setting, I'm setting people up for a, a, a little bit of a pickle. Now, I will say one more thing. Um, there was a time of silence before I began to go in the way Casey describes where, uh, and and she's going to explain the exchange of um, what she calls blows or energy, but uh, the way I remember it, it, there, 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 there was this engagement that began to occur in the spirit realm before I began to pray into it and and it was like, okay, now that this has transpired, I am going to engage with the Word of God and pray into the battle until it's complete. And so there was an assessment of what my spirit was doing, what her spirit was doing. She was able to tell me some of that before that, you know, she says the angel got his wing chopped off and all that transpired, where it was like I was able to assess what was going on in the spirit and then make a judgment call. It's like, okay, well, what does obedience mean? How do I engage? And it's like, oh, massive warfare and clobbering and just going for it, and and so I went in. Anyway, having said that, here's the rest of the story.
1: Okay, so now Daniel's ruler and Adromaleus begin to exchange blows at each other by using a mixture of their energy with the solar winds. Yes, I I said it. They were actually using a mixture of their energy with the solar winds. Now, let's think about this slowly, just a little bit. So Daniel and Adramalius were both using their energy, and they mixed their energy with the energy of the spiritual solar winds To create what seemed to be a big, translucent, spiritual, atomic fireball. I mean, that's what it looked like to me. So, these fireballs were larger than Daniel. And when they hit Adromalus, they would expand to surround him. So Daniel's ruler and Adramaleus continue to throw these massive, massive fireballs, these balls mixed with energy and with the solar winds at each other. And at this point, now you have to remember, my ruler still in the background shooting those fiery arrows. So they're also being a sword into Dramaleus as well. So now at that point, Daniel began to pray the word of God fiercely against Adramalius. As he prayed, huge fireballs of light energy mixed with solar wind would leave Daniel ruler's realm and it would travel faster than the speed of light towards Adramalius. Meanwhile, Adramalias would return his ball of energy, mixed with solar wind, to hit Daniel's ruler. So they were exchanging blows. They were actually going back and forth, exchanging blows uh, with each other. And, the, and then the battle was fierce. The, the battle actually began to become more fierce than when it started and then all of a sudden it turned around on him. So when Daniel's ruler threw his huge energy ball energy ball of bright light mixed with a fire of God and with many vibrant colors, it would hit a drama list and a drama list started to bend backwards. Now, I have to explain this the best that I saw it now. Adromalus, when he would begin to bend backwards, his back and legs would bend backwards, but his feet were still planted in place. So not all of him would bend backwards, just the outer, and I call it the outer expression of himself, that would bend backwards. But his core, his core would stand straight up or upright. However, with each blow from Daniel's ruler... He would be weakened. So his core posture would actually weaken even more so. So now I saw Dromelius to begin to bend forward as the blows against him from Daniel's ruler increase. So you know, first he's bending backwards, but then as his core begins to weaken, now he's bending forward as Daniel, Daniel's ruler began to increase his blows. So meanwhile, you know, Daniel, Daniel was taking hits too now. So when Daniel's ruler took a blow from a a drama Daniel's core stood tall, but his self-expression would fall backwards. Literally just a little, I mean, it was like a little, it was, it's as if a vibration, you could see uh, the vibration come off of daniel and then it would go back so the best way that i can describe this as is if we have a core body and the core body you know that that's our spirit being so it's made up of light that's a consolidated the light is consolidated it's tight tightly fit together to form a spiritual mass so then so there is the expression of your core. So your core is like a tightly fit together mass of light. And, and, uh, and then there's a very thin layer around the core and it looks like a skin. That's what it looked like to me. It looks like a skin that surrounds the core spirit being. So when Daniel's ruler was being hit by the fireball from a his core mass was not moved. It stood tall and firmly planted in its place, but the thin layered weighted skin looking type energy would absorb the shock of the fireball from a a drama And it would be pulled ever so slightly away from Daniel's rulers core. That's what it looked like. And I hope that that gives you a better picture of what I saw. Now, on the other hand, Adromelius' expression could not totally absorb the shock from the fireballs that were thrown from Daniel's ruler, and he was being weakened. So Adramaleus was being weakened by my ruler's flaming arrow, fiery arrows, and by Daniel's massive, massive fireballs that Daniel's ruler would throw at him. So the fireballs from Daniel's ruler were pure light. I mean, it, it was, it was, uh, it, the light was so pure that it's something that you can't look at straight on, you know, straight, at, you, you can't look directly at the light, inapproachable light. You know, Jesus lives in inapproachable light. That's what the Bible says. And he does. These balls were that same type of, from that same type of material. It was like an inapproachable light from the third heaven. So a rule of the spiritual world is a greater spirit. So one of the rules, you know, in the spiritual world, and especially with uh, spiritual warfare is that uh, when a greater light source appears in the kingdom of darkness, it will overpower the lesser inferior light, which is from the kingdom of darkness for John one, four through five says, and, and explains it real clearly. It says in him that sin, Jesus was life. And I'm also reading from the amplified. So it says in him was life and the power to bestow life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines on in darkness And the darkness did not understand it or overpower it or appropriate it or absorb it and is unresponsive to it. Another way to visualize the battle scene is to imagine the wind in the earth realm blowing a person's hair and clothes and their hair and clothes will fly in the direction of the wind's path, but the body remains in its place. This same scene was brilliantly displayed in the spirit realm when I saw some of Daniel's ruler parts essence that were blown backwards. And it was it was very slightly that it would be blown backwards, but not his core being. So Daniel's rulers core being would stand tall and it would be planted. His feet would actually be planted in its place. So it seemed like that Daniel's ruler did not allow the blows from the fireballs from Adromaleus to penetrate his realm in such a way that it would weaken his core being or to weaken his might or his power. That's what it seemed like to me. So Adromaleus' fireballs, fireballs of energy were that it seemed to be, and this is like the texture of his energy balls. It seemed to be like a black light source of an inferior type substance. So it was dark with light pulses and it seemed to have sparkles in it. And it had some type of, of light of a light gray matter that was mixed in the, uh, in the black ball source. So it, it, it was what seemed to be the death wave of energy that was mixed with the solar wind energy. So that's what it looked like to me. So now Daniel's ruler hurled a huge energy ball that knocked Adromaleus off of his feet. And he was laying on his right side with his left arm extended up and above his head. So this, you know, I, I had to pause here because when I saw that, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that a the 75-foot, all-muscle, uh, intimidating-looking fallen angel was finally knocked off of his feet. Oh, he's laying on his side. And then, you know, <laughs> he has his left, extended and you would not believe, I couldn't believe it I was looking at him like I couldn't believe what I was seeing in here he began to call out to the Lord for help, can you believe that? A drum didn't even call out to his allied forces he's calling out to the person who created the Lord for <laughs> but the Lord that was so funny, it was like that is so odd he's calling out, he has the audacity to call out for help from the Lord. <laughs> and I saw, you know, I saw the Lord in his battle room. He was looking at the whole thing. He did not answer. He did not answer him one word. I mean, it was so funny looking at a drummer list because he, he, he was so prideful, so mighty. But then when he was hit with that last blow, he was on, this is how he sounded to me. He was like, ha ha-ha-ha-ha, ha-ha. I mean I'm like what in the world he was crying like a sissy he was a sissy
0: (laughs) (laughs) you were doing the most
1: (laughs) it was funny it was funny but you know perhaps he knew that his allied forces couldn't help him (laughs) <laughs> and uh, that's what I said. So, you know, at that moment, I heard Daniel pray. Literally at that moment, I heard Daniel pray. Now, Daniel was praying the word of God at that time, just raining down God's anger. So at that moment, I heard Daniel pray 2 Samuel twenty-two, forty-two, And it says, they cry out, but there's none to help them. They cry out to the Lord, but He didn't answer them. And I'm like, "Oh my goodness!" Now I have to say, at this point, I was not talking to Daniel. I was I was actually into the scene myself, looking at what's going on. So I didn't tell Daniel that Adramelias had fallen on one side, crying out to the Lord. <laughs> you know, crying out to. Him. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel do you want to
0: have any, Do you have anything to say about that? I mean, I mean, you, you told the story. He said, "I don't think I can add anything to your narration at this point." I mean, folks, look. When we would do work, this is it. Casey is in the movie. Like she, she sees so clearly, and I get the footnotes afterwards. So, I mean. I just say stuff, right? I have all these Bible verses memorized and stuff just comes up and I'll just say whatever feels right. And many times it will actually be co- coordinating with the way stuff is playing out in the spirit realm. And I won't know that because I'm not necessarily seeing, but I'm being very in tuned with the spirit and then I'll get the report afterwards. Uh, you know this. This actually isn't the first time there was a showdown between me and a whole bunch of bad guys. Like they, 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 they make conspiracies and they gang up and they'll, they'll plot these, uh, uh, uh showdowns. And this was not the first showdown, but it certainly was uh, a lot of fun to win. <laughs> so that's it. Go ahead, Casey. F- finish, finish the narration here.
1: <laughs> okay so now when Adromalus fell on the right side of his body Daniel, Daniel did not lighten up on his attack Daniel was not finished he continued to pray fiercely and then I saw big chains big I mean it, it, it was like these huge chains long chains appeared out of nowhere and they began to surround and bind, they bound uh, Adromaleus, these big chains. And so Daniel continued in war prayer. And I told Daniel that Adromaleus, this fallen angel network, was being defeated by God's angels that came from Orion. Yes, Orion. And so God, our Heavenly Father, owns everything that he created. I just want to say that because, you know, when we talk about Orion, we talk about all of the... Bad things that goes on on Orion, but you know Daniel <laughs> established his own camp of angels on Orion there, and they will come to Daniel's aid, uh, you know when he's in the middle of a battle. So yes, Orion. So uh, um, they came from Orion, and uh, that was that. So uh, the fallen angels were defeated, as Adramalis was defeated. And then the fallen angels were gathered together and they were placed with Adromaleus who was lay- still laying on his side crying out to the Lord for help. And the chains continued to bind them, bind all of them to what seemed to be a big ball of chains all around them and it entangled them. So you know, Adromaleus is there first. And Daniel's praying and then you see these Chains of of just chains encircling Adramalis. Now the then you see the fallen angels all defeated and wings and stuff chopped off coming to jo- join a drama list and then you see these big big chains just going around them. Like it was, I mean, it, the wind. I mean, the sound was like a shush shoosh, shoosh shush around them, entangling them. So a drama list tried to communicate with his mind to the outer world which was another dimension for help for reinforcements but i at that point when i saw him trying to do that i prayed that a dark abode would surround them and absorb his electrical pulsed communication so then daniel agreed in prayer that a dark cloud would stop their communication at that point so now let's just pause and let's just Take a little moment here. So now I believe that this battle took place uh, before I think Daniel interviewed uh, Ruthie Andrews, who so masterfully explained to us how we can use our authority to call the uh, a gold down from heaven to use as a Faraday cage to prevent satanic communication. And see, that's what Daniel did what he did is that he established he spoke into existence a faraday cage of gold which at that point started to prevent any type of satanic communication to be effective in that realm daniel you want to say anything about that
0: um no <laughs> 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 they got you know these things that just got locked down it was um it was uh, essentially seemed like they were being encapsulated in a prison that was being formed around them. And it's just very interesting because, it, I mean, the Bible does talk about Tartarus as a prison for angels and how God has locked up certain ones um, in the book of Jude, um, reserved them in everlasting chains, so on and so forth. I I had not previously considered that this was on the table to be executed in real time as a result of warfare. And, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, I'm not sure. I I don't really understand the full mechanics because will I ever run into another person on the planet that is somehow tethered into Andromelius? Um, Well, I haven't yet, but I might. I don't know. Um, So I don't know what all of this means, but I do know that what... Casey saw essentially amounted to the establishment of a prison and it's just phenomenal. So go ahead.
1: Okay. Okay. So now then I saw what I call a black star and it opened to receive the big ball of chains with a drum in his network of fallen angels in it. Mm. It was like a big round hole that was carved out inside of that place of darkness to encapsulate the satanic beings. So I, the following day, I came across a scripture verse to describe what I actually saw, and that was Job 10, 21 through 22, and then I knew and understood uh, you know what I was looking at or what I was seeing at that point in time and job 10 um, 21 through 22 says and this is from the new King James new King James virgin it says before I go to the place from which I shall not return to the land of darkness and the shadow of death a land as dark as darkness itself and the shadow of death, without any order where even the light is like darkness and I said oh my goodness oh my goodness so now at that point the fight was over the victory was won the Lord had given us the victory indeed and all I can say is what a mighty God we serve." So now, since Charles, my guardian angel, confirmed that this fallen angel was in my bloodline, Daniel led me through the prayer freedom from the Illuminati bloodline genetics. In this particular situation, this prayer has the best tools to pray for my freedom from this particular angel. And it's very, very effective. So there's one other thing that I like to uh, talk about Daniel and that is actually how how we actually work together how uh, God's kingdom actually work together in unity and they actually don't break rank Mm -hmm. and um, I can refer to ja- Joel chapter two, seven through eight, where it says we're like mighty warriors. And you know, we follow the Lord's orders and we do mighty exploits. I'm just paraphrasing him, but there is a place, <clears throat> excuse me, in that scripture where it says, and we don't break rank Our to me our rulers are, demonstrated that so beautifully along with God's heavenly hosts, his warring angels. No one break rain. We all knew where our positions were. We all knew what we needed to do. I'm talking about our rulers and the holy angels. And we did <clears throat> we did what we, we carried out the the orders of the Lord and we had victory that day. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to Bring that up because in the flesh, in our flesh, we should emulate what's going on or what God's word says. When we are working together, especially in warfare, in the flesh, we should not break rank either. We should know our positions and we should work with each other in that regard. And God will surely give us the uh, the, uh, victory and freedom every time so i just wanted to say that so daniel hmm. i i can't say any more about this this episode or this session uh this is the end of this uh particular session and i i just want to thank you once again for having me on your part, podcast to share story time with casey
0: Well, you're welcome. And folks, by the way, uh, Casey really prepares for these programs. If you're wondering how she knows exactly where to stop, it's because her note says, stop now. (laughs) 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 So, so... uh, I, I I just wanted to say thank you for first of all having the bravery to share this kind of a testimony. You know, it it, it takes guts to talk about what the Lord has done, and I would say that a majority of testimonies that come from the result of the work that I am doing with people never get told because people feel embarrassed or awkward about what God is actually doing and also insecure about how they will be received by those that they know if they were to give God glory for what is done. And well, other people just associate right out of it as soon as they get done with the session, which we are working on. So, you know, I just want to say thank you for your bravery for and your effort, right? Because it took a lot of effort to go after our sessions and write all this down and lay it out. And so uh, we can all have the benefit of that information. Folks, we are done for today. Until next time, God bless and Godspeed. You've been listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. If you would like to connect with us at Bride Ministries or to support what we are doing financially, visit us at www.bridemovement.com dot com